Hey guys, uh, Jamie here. Uh, obviously, you know, if I'm talking before the theme song, then it's got to be quite important. Uh, obviously, there was some quite big Tom Hanks news this week. He got uh, diagnosed with coronavirus, as did his wife, Rita Wilson. Uh, fortunately, all the news is that they're being cared for very, very well and that both of them should be expected to recover, which is fantastic. Uh, but the reason I'm talking to you before this episode is because, well, you might have expected us to talk about it. And uh, yeah, that would have been great uh, if we didn't record this two days before he got diagnosed <laughs> with coronavirus. So, uh, yeah, um, well, I think I can't remember. I think we do maybe talk about um, coronavirus a little bit. But if you're wondering why we don't talk about Tom Hanks specifically, well, that's why it quite literally hadn't happened yet. Uh, but other than that, it's a completely normal episode. It's a, it's a good fun episode. And oh, boy, what an ironic time to be recording an episode about a film called Catch Me If You Can. <laughs> Roll the theme tune. Welcome to our brand new show It's not that complicated so listen close We'll go through IMDB Reviewing all of Tom Hanks movies Hanks Bank, Hanks Bank Hanks Bank, Hanks Bank Hanks Bank, Hanks Bank Hanks Bank Jamie, I have a confession to make this week, and it's a dirty, dirty secret. Lovely. It's uh, something that I'm very ashamed about, and I I hesitate to even bring to our dear listeners, because, hey, I've I've spent all this time in this podcast uh, being the cool one, you know, being the one who's uh, into culture things like (laughs) books and reading and words, but Jamie, I, I, I don't know what to say. I think I'm into sports now. That's Ooh. right. I'm into sports. And not just any sport, Jamie. I'm into the best goddamn sports ever been invented on the side of the earth. I'm into ice hockey. Uh, yeah, That's I right. Canada's got me, baby. And it's got me good. So you, you're into it's men fr- beating each other up? Uh, On ice? Yeah. Uh, what's yeah, I was, I was going to say, if you were Jamie, just into the beating up part, there are more efficient ways that that is presented. Yeah, 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 right, right, right. Look, it's it's not just the beating up aspect. I'm not going to lie. That is a certain part of it. It is the fact that uh, one day are moving at these incredibly fast speeds, which is impressive in and of itself. Like, I can't ice skate on any stretch of the imagination. And so being able to kind of watch these guys do something which, you know, it, it just on a basic level... Ice skating, not possible for me. I can't do it. I hate it. I hate that everyone in Canada can do it very well. But I'm impressed by Jove that these guys can do it so fantastically. Two, they then hit these pucks at like 100 miles an hour. Um, like, I think several hundred miles an hour, potentially. We were at a hockey game last Wednesday, and the pucks kept going out of the arena. And uh, they kept being warnings on the screens, being like, please watch the game to make sure if a puck comes out, you can catch it. Because otherwise it could kill you. Which is great. What other kind of sport can kill the audience like that? Fantastic. Uh, and the third thing is, I like the jerseys. We went to, like I said, we went to uh, see the Canucks play. They're the local Vancouver team. We saw the Canucks play the Coyotes from Arizona, which was a great time. Uh, the Canucks mascot, although Canucks mean Canadian, uh, is a uh, killer whale. Is an orca uh, named Finn. All very normal. The weird thing was, all the way during, all the way through the game, uh, Finn the Yorker kept uh, ha- murdering uh, a, a toy coyote, <laughs> which was a little intense. Like at the beginning, they showed a kind of David Attenborough style uh, video, 
on um, you know the the nature of the coyote. Da, 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 da. The coyote's walking around. It's a majestic creature. Da, da, da. And then an eighty eighty from Star Wars just stamps on the thing. <laughs> and you know I've been to some hockey games. None have been as violent as this. It was brilliant. Uh, yeah. So so I'm ashamed. Uh, you know I haven't read a book in ooh about. I a do month. have. Two and you know questions. I feel guilty about that. I feel like I've. Um, yeah. My first question uh, is. You said that you were feeling very jealous yep. of their ability uh, to ice skate so quickly. Now, um, I do believe mm. that's because they are taught it from such a young age. So in your time in Canada, yeah. have you noticed that Canadian children are actually slightly worse at walking than you would expect a child to be due to them spending so much time ice skating? It's kind of really weird, actually. And, and I hadn't really thought about it until I, you mentioned it. But yeah, seemingly everyone in Canada just kind of like... They kind of like walk in a circle. They're really strong on their left leg, but they're not really strong on their right leg. So when they go long enough, they just end up going in this big circle. It's really strange. Everyone gets like stuck on one street. They kind of go up and they kind of end up walking into the road and then the traffic stops. It's like, you know, sacred cows. People can't hit them because they're just walking in the street. It's just part of who they are. Uh, so, yeah, you know, they are weak at walking. Um, uh, second also, question. Uh yeah. I, is you are, you are referring to that team as the, the Vancouver Canucks. Now... Yes. I believe I have heard them referred to uh, in various pieces of media uh, not being pronounced that way. Uh, so I would like you to double check with your girlfriend who is right behind you and is Canadian whether Canucks is the correct pronunciation. You pronounce it Canucks, right? Canucks. Yeah, Canucks. Huh. I've always heard it as Canucks. Just... Like, ah. Uh. Oh, Jimmy said Canucks. No, no. Yeah, it's not- there we go. I was right. It's not like oh, Tom no, I am Nook it wrong, from yes. fucking Animal Crossing. Uh, I am sorry, Jamie, but we are only eleven fucking <laughs> days away from Animal Crossing. Can I get anything else off my mind? No, I am ready to build myself an island paradise and live there forever. Uh, we will carry on that point, but we're time. about five minutes in, and I haven't said yet something—the thing that yeah. actually starts the show. But we will come back around to that. But before we do that, hello and welcome to Hanks Bank, the show where we chronologically review Tom Hanks's entire IMDb. I'm Jamie Loxon, and with me, as always, is my co-host Al Gillespie. Say hello, Al. Gillespie. Tom Nook is a monster, goddammit. Yeah, so the main thing, uh, uh, as you know, as we learned last week, um, my girlfriend has moved down to London, which is very, very exciting. Uh, yeah. I, uh-huh. in uh-huh. Uh, having got her down to London, have also got her hooked playing uh, Stardew Valley on my Switch. Um, oh, yeah. Which I think is a classic experiment for lots of non-gamers. Oh. Uh, they get into games like uh, Stardew Valley, or yeah. I mean, she's even played Animal Crossing when she was younger because it's a little bit less intensive. There's yeah. less objectives. It's just a very relaxing yeah. game. So I've got her into that. Uh, and there is also, as you've mentioned, Animal Crossing coming out. Uh, and oh. I mean, I'm not giving the game away because I've said this to her out loud. It is becoming actively difficult for me to not buy the her the animal crossing switch specifically so that we can both play stardew valley and animal crossing um, but you know given the fact that uh not to say that there's you know any monetary value on any level or length of a relationship but you know we've been dating for about mm-hmm. eight months oh 300 pounds for a birthday present that's that's a bit much ooh, to be honest ooh. especially when i'm not earning that much money myself no i 
Jamie, uh, I, I want you to know that you can put monetary value on relationships. Uh, I put about $8 on mine and Alyssa's. Uh, that's uh, one for every year of relationship, plus an extra two because I'm feeling fancy. <laughs> Don't be, feel afraid to stick a lowball number on it. It's absolutely fine. So what you're saying is I need to uh, find a second-hand like, dark web switch for $8. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Just buy a Game Boy Advance SP. <laughs> All right, well, it's just yet. That's fine. Yeah. Buy a GameCube. <laughs> just tell it, you know, they did a real big redesign for the Animal Crossing. <laughs> they just sort of switched it up. Um, anyway, yeah. how are you doing this week, Al? You're, you're sort of a, a week settled in at Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm in the kind of process of applying for jobs. And uh, let me tell you what, my friend, uh, a little thing called LinkedIn Easy Apply is uh, my absolute favorite jam. All right. Do I like sending off applications where I don't have to write a cover letter? Yes. Do I think it has any effect whatsoever other than just negatively helping my chances? Absolutely. But it makes me feel like I've accomplished something nonetheless. So LinkedIn, thank you for that feature. I am almost certain it has no positive outcome whatsoever, but it makes me feel like I've accomplished things. So yeah, uh, that's mainly my week. Lots of doing job applications. I saw Pixar's Onward, and let me tell you what, do not watch that film on your brother's birthday when you're 5,000 miles away from your brother. That's a bad idea. You will cry. You will cry a lot. <laughs> not good. Bad time. Aww. Can't recommend to a friend. Um, How's your week, Jamie? Good. Uh, we will actually be talking about your brother later, interestingly enough. Little little tease for that. Oh. You don't know why that is, but I do. Um, uh, no. <laughs> I had another thing to say, and it's completely gone. It's completely gone. How's my week been? Um, good. I actually There was something I wanted to talk about this week, which is nothing to do. Oh, I remembered what it was. LinkedIn. That's what you were talking about. Sorry. When you talk, yeah, yeah. Um, sort of about five seconds afterwards, everything you were saying has just gone completely yeah. out of my brain. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, all I was going to say is my only uh, interaction with LinkedIn, uh, as someone who has never really Mm. gone through the traditional job searching uh, route, uh, is that I do have a LinkedIn, never use it, but do get emails of people asking to be added to my LinkedIn network. But again, I never use it. And I just don't know the social etiquette of whether it's rude or not to ignore someone's LinkedIn request. So... Uh, a little story I'm not sure if I told you before. Um, a couple of weeks ago, actually more than a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago when we were in Toronto, uh, we met up with some of Alyssa's friends, childhood friends, which are very nice. And uh, Alyssa, you know, my girlfriend, went to Oxford, very smart, apparently amongst her friend group, kind of a dum-dum, because they're all doctors. <laughs> And they are all training for doxes, which made me feel even more wildly inadequate about my own intelligence. Um, but while we were there, they kind of stopped and we we're having, you know, some wings and it was a great time. And Alyssa isn't a dum-dum. She knows that. Uh, she's helping people in other ways. She's not medical ways. Uh, so the main way to help people. But uh, we were having some wings. We were having some beers, having a chat. And at one point, one of her many, many doctor friends kind of turns to me and goes, what's it like applying for a job? <laughs> And uh, I, I'd kind of never really processed the fact that doctors would never have to apply for jobs really in their life. They just do the good course, end up getting a job somewhere, and uh, that's it. So I had to say, uh, yeah, it's shit. <laughs> it's not a good time. Yeah, was your response to that just, what's it like being very employable? <laughs> yeah, yeah, my response to that was... <laughs> Um, and then I walked off and asked them to check my colon. Very appropriate um, uh, yeah. noise effect there as I transition uh, very smoothly. As I want to talk about torture, Alexander. Um, that's the main uh, thing I wanted to talk Not the main thing I want to talk about this week, but something uh, that I want to talk about. Because, of course, uh, long-time listeners of the show know that um, 
Mm-hmm. It's been a running theme that occasionally torture will be shown on screen, and you uh, are particularly uncomfortable with it being depicted on screen. You think, yeah. especially especially uh-huh. when it's shown for comedic effect. Uh, well, I don't know if Quite you right. saw, but uh, this week um, a study mm. was uh, put out, and this is completely serious. I'm, this, I'm not setting up for a bit or anything. This is I did actual yeah. research for the show, by which I mean I saw something on Reddit. Um, uh, research was put out uh, of torture's prevalence in um, Hollywood movies. Uh, and they studied the yeah. top 20 highest grossing films in North America from 2008 to 2017, so 200 films. Uh, and they found that over 60% of them at least had one torture scene. 60%, uh, which included uh, 275 scenes of torture across these 200 films. Uh, 27 of those were from R-rated films, 108 from PG-13 films, 58 from PG films, and seven G-rated movies included a torture scene. Uh And not only that, in most of these uh, torture, they found if it was the antagonist uh, doing it, then obviously it was shown as a bad thing. But if it was the protagonist doing it, most of the time uh, it was resulted in being effective and achieving the protagonist's goals, Um, which it's just it's just look, I, I, I obviously I say it as a joke most of the time. I understand that it's in most films. It doesn't really bother me as much. I make it out to be on the show. I do, I, I do not understand why torture is used as an effective punchline in most things, like, or as a way to actually get what you want. When we know for a fact that torture is a bad way of finding information, it, and also just the fact that, like, I can understand in a movie to some extent why someone might kill someone or murder someone in self-defense is typically the hero doesn't in self-defense the hero never tortures people out of self-defense you can't torture people out of self-defense it's weird stop doing it guys we only know two people working in the film industry i don't think they listen to this podcast but guys if you do get them to stop torturing people please come on yeah and and the interesting thing is obviously by all scientific research torture is not effective it's literally not and yeah, the u.s no, is like not to get too much into like i know fuck all i'm not the person to have make this political point but like the u.s has like a not great record of continuing to use torture and i think a lot of the reason why there's not larger outcry about that may well be that a lot of fucking successful films in north america show it as being effective when it's literally not it's never been shown to be effective in uh, getting accurate and useful information out of uh, out of someone um but to f- talking about oh, means of yeah. uh, sorry very quickly just to say uh, talking about means of state violence that the u.s does <laughs> and other countries don't really do uh, do you know that the death penalty was illegal in america up until like 1970 when they brought it back it's not like they had it continuously wow they didn't have it yeah they didn't have it for a long time and then it federally became legal again and another state stood took back the right and i find that insane i so confusing Anyway, yeah, let's. Enough let's about the yeah, enough well, about the well, I'll tag that by just uh, with something that's vaguely fun, uh, which is that uh, given those seven G-rated movies uh, that they found, the uh, researchers mm-hmm. titled this uh, paper: "Wait, there's torture in Zootopia? Examining the prevalence of torture in popular movies." Um, so yeah, I just thought that was you know we're we're a film podcast ostensibly, and and I yeah, thought that yeah. was some interesting film-based research that was actually relevant to something yeah. we occasionally talk about in this and you show. know it 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 gave a you know a, a great bit of debate considering i am anti-torture <laughs> and you're pro-torture and that's the kind of conflict we like on this podcast yes no no of course i i am i am fully supporting the america uh, america in their terrible <laughs> terrible foreign policy um 
Anyway, see, I mean, that shows how little I know about... It's not fucking foreign policy. I know so little about politics. I shouldn't... It should be illegal for me to vote. Um, Anyway. Um, So, of course, uh, we are not the Torture Podcast. We are the Tom Hanks Podcast. Uh, And that means we are the show that chronologically reviews Tom Hanks' entire IMDb. But people who have been listening for a long while, they know that that's not the... That's not... That's just the short of it. And sometimes we want to give the long of it. Mm-hmm. Al, I did it Ooh. last week. <laughs> I know that was kind yeah. of a good turn of phrase. Um, I did it last week, so uh, you 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 can say what's what's up with the aliens. Let's tell you guys what is up with the aliens. They're insane in the membrane. That's right. Now me and my boy Jamie. That's right. Who? James Loxton Peter Jones, the bad boy from Peckham. We're walking around central London. Now I don't know where. Do I come from London? Of course I don't, Governor. I don't even know where London is. However, according to James, we're in a little place, who knows it, called uh, Piccadilly Circus, if I am correct. Is that correct, James? Yes, it is. There we go. So anyway, I was walking around a little bit of Piccadilly Circus, you know, I up, Governor. (laughs) And uh, we go around, and what do we find in the midst of Piccadilly Circus? Fun fact, an actual circus, (laughs) but a giant trampoline. That's right, a giant trampoline. Now me and my bouncy boy, James, we hop on this trampoline because we are two lads. (laughs) Classic laddish behaviour, bouncing. Uh, Of course. We're bouncing up and down. Someone hucks us two Stellas. That's right. Pike can of Stella. What's not to love? We crack open those bad boys. We're down in. We're bouncing. We're down in. We're bouncing. We're down in. We're bouncing. Everyone is like, bounce, bounce, bounce. Because we've just been caught by a tractor beam. Jamie's upside down, but still finishing off his Stella. My Stella, <laughs> where's it gone? All the water's flown out of the can. I'm like, crap, and I'm trying to swim and catch it, only to find ourselves in an alien spaceship. Now, at this point, I really don't know why the government hasn't just blown up the spaceship. There's a spaceship of a place allegedly called Piccadilly Circus, and this government needs to protect our circuses, all right? What about all the elephants? That's what I ask myself. What about all the elephants? Anyway, turns out these aliens, though, they're not bad guys. They're just kind of uh, curious. As it turns out, they're from the United States of Space. Is that a country? No, it's a federation of planets. And uh, <laughs> federation. it turns out, basically, my friend, it's a federation of planets. It's the United States of Space. The US is a federation of states. Canada is a federation of states. Uh, it turns out, basically, all I'm saying, all I'm saying, right, all right is uh, that a little planet from somewhere called Flomotron 8 uh, has initiated a process called Flexit, wherein the small boy, bitch boy, Trevor Tramon, uh, basically said, we out, after calling a plebiscite. And uh, after that, they're like, oh, crap, they're leaving. This process has taken a really long time. Now it happened, I guess, but they still got to find someone to replace them. So they're like, guys, we think Earth deserves to be on. And I go... Am I still a Cockney? And they go, no, you're not a Cockney. You're back to your normal voice. And I go, why, thank you, sir. <laughs> oh, thank and, God for uh, that. They... Yes. And they basically say, look, you know, can we uh, get Earth? Does Earth deserve to be on? And we go, well, and they go, look, just bring us one person who shows us that Earth deserves to be part of the United States of space. And we go, well, you know, we look at each other. And at the same time, our minds meld as they tend to do. And we say... Tom Hanks and they go ooh who's Tom Hanks and we go an Academy Award winning actor and they go okay cool Uh, have you got any films for us to watch you know like motion pictures and we're like uh, yeah let's just check his IMDb oh wait a second 
we do not want to show you any all of his stuff. We're gonna, you know, look through and find uh, some specific parts of his uh, that we think really show humanity's worth. Um, now, it's important to mention though this time that all the babies on the spaceship, and there are babies, it's a baby-centric society. They aren't led by their babies, but they worship their babies. It's kind of creepy. It's a baby-centric society, much like our own. Uh, they all look like Baby Yoda. And at this point, I um, I think I threatened and maybe successfully killed all the babies. Not by intention. Uh, you know, it, by accident, I just have that ability to make babies spontaneously combust. Um now, uh, look, I apologize for this in the long run. Uh, I do want people to know that later on, uh, Jamie uh, brought back the babies from the dead. He went on a D&D style quest <laughs> to get a resurrection spell. He resurrected all the babies and now the babies are fine. I just want everyone to know baby Yoda's, all the babies Yoda's are A-OK. No problem there. I like I like how so you anyway, said you Jamie- were going to bring them back. You said like, oh, don't worry, guys, it will be fine. I'm going to fix it. And the way you fixed it was by making me fix it. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's how I do everything with this podcast. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Jamie and I go off and we're like, ah, this is easy. We just have to watch, what is it now, 92 films? We're 50 films in. How many good Tom Hanks films are there? Ooh, I don't know the number off the top of my head. And I think we have some questionable opinions about those. <laughs> but, yeah, that's how we figured it out. There's also some stuff about Tom Hanks being the reincarnated ghost of Warren G. Harding. But we won't talk about that because that hurts. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, pretty, pretty good. Um yeah, you remember most of those details. That's decent. Uh, and obviously, since then, we've become professional podcasters. Uh, and you know how professional we are, Al, uh, is that uh, this is our year anniversary. And I forgot about that until right now. Aww. Did, did, Aww. Did, I, we mentioned it last week. It, prob- it we probably did. should be some sort of special episode. We probably should have done something to mark yeah. the occasion. Uh, but the, the way we're marking that occasion is by mentioning it 19 minutes into the episode. Yeah. And that's it. Uh, so, uh, of, of course, course. We, uh, we are chronologically reviewing Tom Hanks' entire IMDb. And this week, we are doing Catch Me If You Can from 2002. As always, we will do a little bit of historical context and a little bit of show context before we get into to the film itself. Uh, as we are flip-flopping, I've, I mean, we didn't actually discuss this. I hope you remembered that we are flip-flopping and therefore you have prepared some historical context. Yeah, yeah good. Kind of, oh, yeah. That's yeah. good. We didn't even... We did, look at us. We didn't even need to discuss it. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, when I say kind of, of course, I'm talking about the fact that uh, 2002, the year this first came out in the States, came out on the 25th of December uh, 2002, uh, was the same year that our previous film, Road to Perdition, came out. And so, uh, you know, as tends to happen when we have uh, two films in one year, sometimes there's less history than overall. But that's okay. You don't know why, Jamie? Because there's something we can talk about, and I think it, maybe it's relevant today, and that's a little disease known as oh, SARS. Jesus fucking that's Christ. Right. Can you remember SARS? <laughs> well, no, no. I can't. I was very young. I was nine years old. Uh, SARS was not particularly on That's my not, radar. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I need to stop for a second. Nine years old is not very young, all right? You're old enough to be held accountable in a court of law for your actions, all right? You're not a six-year-old. A six-year-old, I can understand not understanding it. SARS was a big thing, all right? You remember people going around with masks? Not really. It wasn't so much of a big thing in the UK, where we both are living at the time. Uh, the depressing thing, of course, uh, you know, for prosperity at the moment, um, the coronavirus is going on around the world. Uh, quite a lot of people have died. Uh, many people are infected. Panic is going everywhere. Toilet paper is flying off the shelves. Uh, people are panicking. Companies are closing down. It's all confusing. Uh, now, SARS, which was kind of the last major health scare, I think, at least in the West. I know uh, Alyssa in Toronto. Um, Toronto was one of the big epicenters, or Canada was one of the big epicenters of SARS outside of China. 
uh, remembers a lot of uh, people with masks, a lot of panic, people not going to the streets. Um, SARS only infected 8,000 people. Jesus Christ. Uh, which is slightly terrifying, as the current uh, confirmed cases uh, for the coronavirus are... 111,000. Yes. And um, we are which recording means this, this is uh, a week ahead of time, which means, oh, I mean, it's going to be really depressing when people are like, ha ha ha, remember a week ago when it was only 100,000? And it would, oh, who knows what it will yeah. be uh, when this episode comes out. But hey, wouldn't it be really, what a mm. weird like time capsule this would be if one of us died of coronavirus before it came out? Yeah. I, I'm not going to lie, I had uh, I had a cough, a bit of a wheeze, as you might have noticed last week, uh, and I did spend the entire week going, do do I have coronavirus? Do I have coronavirus? Oh yeah, do no, no, I no, I've... have coronavirus? Uh, I've, I've been doing that uh, very regularly. Uh, I As someone who uh, does a lot of talking um, for a living and mm. in my social life, uh, I often end up with a sore throat, and oh boy, howdy, will you overanalyze a sore throat in the middle of an epidemic? Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. It's been it's been real fun. Uh, so is is that the is that the entirety of your historical context there? Uh, no, that's not the entirety of it. Um, there are some other stuff. The issue is, and look, I'm I'm not blaming Ellen. I know she's yours last week. I know you read her thing. That's absolutely fine. Uh, all I'm saying is, you know, the second half of the year is a much more depressing half of the year. <laughs> uh, obviously, there's SARS. Uh, outside of that, there's some other stuff like the first drone killed, not killed, exploded blew up a plane so that in the first game it's sort of like drone to plane c- combat um you know great everyone loves that advancement in the u.s the department of homeland security comes up uh, jack Chirac was uh, almost assassinated by a canadian tourist uh, which you know huh. that's my favorite fun fact of the day jack Chirac was uh, almost assassinated by a canadian tourist do i know more about that <laughs> not really uh the two towers came out uh, no, not the two towers the twin towers sorry uh, no, not the Twin Towers, the, the two, two Towers. The Two Towers the, is the, the Lord of the Rings one. The Two Towers. There we go. The, the Two Towers came out in 2002. Um, Michael Jackson held his baby off a window. Ooh. Um, which, you know, <laughs> creepy that people let him uh, even just touch a baby. Uh, people should have stopped doing that a long time ago. Um, Yu-Gi-Oh! was cool. <laughs> Everyone loved Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, Eminem was about, you know, kicking some ass, uh, Ben uh, Affleck people liked, and Lilo and Stitch came out. So it's, it's it, you know, it's a kind of a, it's a toss-up between, uh, you know, SARS and Lilo and Stitch, but I'll go for Lilo and Stitch for the best thing to happen. Uh, you say uh, Eminem, because didn't uh, 8 Mile come out this year, I think, because I think it competed with this uh, uh, in the Oscars. I'm not sure when I was just looking up um, stuff for this film, I think I saw... Uh, yes, winning A-Mile like th- best original song yeah, or something like that, too. or being nominated, or or maybe winning best best yes. original score. And if you came to uh, no, it's best original song because if you came to if you watched the Oscars this year where Eminem showed up and everyone was like, yes, why is Eminem here? That was because I believe he never showed up to the uh, ceremony for the Oscars. I think that was because he was annoyed he wasn't nominated for best actor. I'm not quite sure. See, I feel like I remember at the time. Uh, it was the fact that... Oh, no, this wouldn't make sense. Maybe it was for a different award. There was definitely a rumour going around at the time that because of a criminal record, that, uh, that because of having a criminal record, like Eminem wasn't able to leave the country because he would be arrested on, en- on, on re-entry or something like that. So maybe it was like he got nominated for a BAFTA and he wasn't allowed to leave. But I, that's definitely something that was going around school when I was like nine. It was like, oh, he's so cool because he has a criminal record and he can't even go to award shows because he'd be arrested. I don't know. Kids are dumb. I can't. I, I I can't find a hard reason for why he, uh, you know, wasn't allowed. Um, it's a bit weird. 
Um, yeah, so that's that's what happened in 2002. And obviously what also happened in 2002 was this film, Catch Me If You Can, came out. Uh, as always, we'll do a quick plot yeah. summary uh, for anyone who doesn't know it. Um, it is uh, a... I'll call it based on a true story it is it is not it yeah, is not an I, autobiographical film by any stretch of the imagination or a or a biopic uh but I, and i think very importantly at the beginning they have a wee pop-up which says inspired by true events rather than based on a true yes. story which i found yes uh so i'll sort of go into that but yeah it's based on uh, a vaguely true story uh, of frank abignale uh jr uh, who is played by Leonardo DiCaprio, um, and how after his parents' divorce, his parents, played by uh, Christopher Walken, and someone didn't list her name. God damn it. Natalie Bay. Thank you. Natalie Bay. Um, that one. Um, um, after they get split uh, in the 1960s, uh, he... Um, runs away from home and becomes an international con man uh, where he uh, uh, assumes the roles of a doctor, a lawyer, a uh, pilot uh, and scammed uh, the whole country for just millions upon millions of dollars um, and is tracked by the FBI, uh, the lead investigator played by Tom Hanks, our lovely Tom Hanks. Uh, and it tracks uh, Frank Abagnale Jr.'s... Um, evasion of the fbi uh across uh the us and the world um it is directed by steven spielberg uh, and written by jeff nathanson uh who is an interesting character uh because uh mm -hmm. he, he other credits of jeff nathanson's include uh, rush hour two and three uh speed two uh, oh. uh pirates of the caribbean oh. dead men tell no lies yes that's the fifth oh. pirates of the caribbean movie um, this movie uh, and the 2019 Lion King uh, and, Interesting. and I'm not exactly cherry picking his credits here there's only about three or four other things he's ever written it, it he's an oddly unprolific writer who has written very high profile things along with a bunch of shitty sequels uh, it's it's very odd yeah um, my my guess is is probably that he mainly comes in to punch stuff up, um, not punch stuff up, but to do like second or third, not many, but he's brought in to fix a script. To when a studio doesn't like a script, I imagine he's probably brought in for there. And when he does enough of that work, he gets the credit on it because uh, I think that's the way the the WGA rules work. Um, but he's probably do does a lot of stuff which he doesn't get credit for, is my guess. Because you're right, it's a weird mix between high and yeah. very lowbrow thing. Um, it went through uh, a lot of phases. It's actually based on a book um, which uh, was uh, written about Frank Aguinale Jr., uh, which had been optioned for a movie in 1990. It was shopped around a bunch of different mm -hmm. studios, sold to a bunch of different studios over and over. Uh, and this writer, Jeff Nathanson, wasn't even brought in until 1997. Uh, Leo uh, was the first star attached um, and it was due to film after Gangs of New York, which came out in 2002 as well. Uh, but that film had shooting delays, which resulted in James Gandolfini and Ed Harris to be forced out, who were originally due to play uh, Tom Hanks's and Christopher Walken's roles, respectively. Um, John Williams uh, of Star Wars fame uh, does the music for which he gets nominated for an Oscar. Uh, it made $352 million on a $50 million budget. So uh, a hugely, hugely successful film. Um, as I said, based on a book of the same name. However, 
Uh, even the book itself is not a biography. Uh, quoting Abagnale here, he said, he was just telling a story and not writing my biography. He'd only met with the writer, I think, four or five times um, when, and discussed his story with him then. And then the writer went away and wrote the story. He didn't write a biography of Abagnale. Um, but uh, he found that Spielberg, um, uh, even though took a lot of creative liberties, uh, he was very happy with what Spielberg created. Um, like it, yeah. He he very much has made it clear though that both the film and the book are not biographical. They are not wholly accurate. Mm. Um, he says that potentially around about seventy to eighty percent uh, are accurate. But um, even in terms of uh, like direct historical accuracy throughout the film, Leo, see, as we will discuss, Leo meets up with Christopher Walken, his dad, after he's run away from home. Uh, and in real life, he never saw his dad again. Uh, he ran away from home and never saw him again. But he does say that yeah. while he was, you know, at around gallivanting, meeting women, making loads of money, he'd come back to a hotel room and would just think of his mum and dad and fantasize about them getting back together again and just cry. So he feels that while him not meeting his dad again, uh, while uh, Leo meeting his dad again in the movie is not factually accurate, uh, it is a justif- there is a justification for that fantasy and that the message they are trying to send still has base in truth. Um, uh, yeah, so it, it's an interesting story. So when, when we go to uh, talk about the, uh, the film itself, I think it is important to separate, almost separate it from the true story because you can't there's there's yeah. no real no- way of knowing specifically which a- which aspects of this are true and which are true. specific sure. plot points are not so i think yeah. when we discuss it we will be discussing it yeah. um very much as a film as a work of fiction yeah sure. as a work of fiction yeah. although yeah, it yeah, is very interesting it's... that that this man yeah. still existed like like a lot of this story is still yeah. true and I think even within that, I know Spielberg was meant to have had been really interested in trying to keep things as uh, true to life as possible, at least in terms of the scans. So I know in terms of like how it went about the forgery and stuff, a lot of that stuff is accurate yeah. too. And I, th- I think which comes across in the film is accurate to the way it was done. But yeah, no, I think that's really interesting. Uh, of course, you've uh, failed to mention, Jamie, the musical Catch Me If You Can as well, uh, <laughs> which there was a musical adaptation of this, which I love that fact. Tried to listen to it last night, and you know what? Much like most, uh, much like Sleepless, it's uh, questionable at best. Uh, but if we ever need to do another bonus episode, let's just review Catch Me If You Can the musical, <laughs> because why not? Uh, I think we might struggle a little bit more to get tickets for that than uh, than we did for Sleepless. <sighs> We, we can listen to this album on Spotify and be fine. All right. Are we going to talk about the yes, story? Yes. Yes, we Probably should. Jesus Christ. Uh, two weeks cool. in a row, we're about half an hour in and still haven't talked about the goddamn film yet. Um, so this film uh, opens on a very fun uh, sort of animated sequence a la sort of Pink Panther, 60s detective uh, sort yeah. of novel. Um uh, I watched this uh, with my girlfriend and she she immediately said, we should have pre-credits more. They're fun. Um, and yeah, it is. Should we? Should yeah, we? Yeah, I, I agreed with her. It was fun. I, I, I like some of them. This one was fine. Uh, I really dislike the Grease opening credits, which, uh, to be <laughs> honest, has put me off. A lot of That's it. fair. Um, but yeah, we get through that uh, and then we open on a 60s game show, which uh, I found out is uh, a real game show. Um, I've forgotten what it's called. It's like, what? Who? who's the real man? Who's your man? Who's the real one? Me. It's me. Hello, I'm the man. It's something like that. Um, yeah. uh, we, 
it's if you know if, if you're in the uk and you've seen the show would i lie to you they do a similar bit in that uh way yeah like three guys one of them's real about two are fake yeah. they're all like oh why did you do this you know XYZ. yeah uh, and i've, uh, I've we uh, cut uh, to uh, the i parts. found out that oh, um this uh tv show is actually what um eminem is referencing when he says would the real slim shady please stand up uh, because in the concept of this show, oh. they would have three different people pay, pretending to be pilots, and then they would say, "Would the real pilot please stand up?" And it isn't isn't that fun? Um, so yeah, they have Leonardo DiCaprio um, as one of these three pilots, and he they say, "I'm Frank Abagnale Jr." and uh, over the course of two years, I scammed out. I pretended to be three different people. I scammed millions and millions of dollars. Um, uh, hmm. And then we cut back uh, to uh, Tom Hanks. Uh, in in ah yeah. oh, oh, Tom Hanks. Um, so so his his character's name in this film is Carl Hanready, uh, or mm. or as the film knows him, Carl Hanready, uh, because he's he's from Boston, and boy howdy, you will never forget that he's from Boston. Uh, and I will come, I, I will come it. back to this. Uh, because it's it, it's amazing. It's it's up. It's famed as like up there of like terrible, terrible Boston accents in movies. What? Genu- I saw that it's like uh, it was on um, either Vulture or someone else's like top ten terrible Boston accents. Um, it's not good. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, but so he is uh, in France um, trying to get into a jail. He's saying like, I, my name's Carl Hamrady. I need to. Um, get in mm. and he basically goes to see a disheveled and ill Leonardo DiCaprio in a prison cell he keeps on telling him look we're, yeah. we're gonna get you out of here look stop faking it look yeah. we're gonna get you out of here and he keeps on coughing until he collapses the year is 2002 but this is not uh, hot Leonardo DiCaprio his hair is long yes. he's got this awful chin beard we will see he's hacking he's like, as, uh, as, uh, as is understandable given this is about a con man pretending to be a bunch of different people uh, we will see a bunch of different versions of um, leonardo dicaprio in this film um and he's let's call mm-hmm. this revenant um, revenant leonardo dicaprio uh and eventually he yeah. collapses to the floor uh and we get tom hanks going i need a doctor get me a doctor um look if you don't want to hear me do an even worse boston accent than oh, tom hanks ooh, for the ooh, next ooh. hour turn off this podcast Um, now because it's my favorite part of this film um yeah um so they get a bunch of french doctors in they uh, put him in a hospital bed they go away they go around the corner to wash their hands and they go back and he's he's escaped out the door again uh he's trying to escape Mm -hmm. the prison still it turns out him being ill actually wasn't wasn't fake he is genuinely ill he's struggling to get through the prison no he is ill um with everyone cheering him on uh, he eventually collapses tom hanks Mm. takes puts a gun to his head um and yeah. he takes him away and we get another flashback uh, and we go back to six years earlier uh and we yeah. see a, a much babier faced um leonardo dicaprio i found it very instinct that he is 26 in this film uh and for the for the majority yeah. of it he is supposed to be playing 16 17 and it's it works like he looks so yeah. young in this film um, I, I think it's mostly the hair. Uh, yeah, I, they give him a very like flat mop toppy sort of hair. Yeah, I, I think there's like a decent amount of it, which is uh, like costume and makeup and like hairstyling. I also just think, you know, to his credit, Leonardo DiCaprio, I think gives a very good performance in this film. I think oh, he does, he does. absolutely successfully get these mannerisms correct. I know I think Spielberg directs him very well in that. 
Uh, yeah, he's back home. It's Christmas. Uh, this is not the first Christmas you're going to see in this film. Nope. Uh, spoilers, it's a Christmas movie. <laughs> so, yeah, he's with his dad. His dad is uh, explaining a story he's heard many times about he and his mother um, had uh, met in France uh, after the war. His mother was singing there. He was her GI. They got married six weeks later. They're in a fancy house. They're getting fancy presents. Yeah. The dad spills some wine. On, uh, the mum spills some wine on the floor. Uh, we cut next to uh, it's the Rotary Club, where the dad is getting a lifetime uh, achievement award, lifetime membership. Uh, one of the yeah. two. Um, he goes up and he tells a story, and it's Christopher Walken. So he's like, uh, uh, you know, there were two children, there were two uh, mice uh, in a bucket of milk, and one tried to drink all <laughs> the milk and died, and the other it kept swimming. Until it turned that milk into butter. Today, I am the second <laughs> mouse, uh, which is a yeah, weird makes story. No sense. But sure, no, and and everyone craps and they're like, "Ah, oh, you're the second mouse." He's like, "I'm the second mouse." Uh, that's just not a good impression nope. at all. But it's Look, about as good as your boss yeah. impression. So here we are. Um, uh, so yeah, we see at this point, you know, Frank's and uh, Frank Junior's life—they're pretty good. They're doing really well. Um, but all of a sudden, disaster strikes. Uh, Frank's woken up one day by his dad. They have to go to the bank. They go to get him a suit. Uh, the dad kind of cons his way into yeah, getting the he, suit. Yeah, uh, he does he, a... He has a little yeah, necklace. Yeah, he does a, a move that we see uh, come back a few times where he revi- he's talking to someone inside a closed store because he needs to get in to get the suit. Uh, and this, this someone just happens to be a woman. Uh, and he goes, hey, Doris... Did you drop this? I uh, I found it on the street. And he reveals a necklace. And he uh, he woos this lady that way uh, and gets a suit. Yeah. Uh, the reason he wants a suit for his son is yeah. because he's going to pretend to be his chauffeur. Um, as he's yeah. going to a bank uh, and he's asking the bank uh, for help. He's uh, being yeah. done for fraud. Uh, and so he needs going to a different bank to try to get loans so he can get the other bank off him and the bank's just like no like no you're, be- yeah, you're being can't... investigated by the IRS and this part's slightly important because it sets up multiple things in the film and um, one it sets up the way kind of banks work and the money works at banks where like the bank's like look you know I'm sure you I'm sure you are doing fine but we tend not to loan money to people um who are being investigated by the IRS, and he's like, well, you know, uh, I'm perfectly fine. It's just a misunderstanding. And yeah, he's like, you know, I know but it's just a matter of risk, right? It's a matter of trust. And unfortunately, you're not our customer. We can't do this. And it kind of sets up later the idea that, like, there are people to whom the banks will lend to or give out money to, and there are people who it yeah. won't. It kind of it sets that up in the background somewhere. Yeah. There's also a line about um, what does it need to be a suit? What does it need to be pretending this? Well, if you look rich, then everyone assumes you are rich and people will give yeah. you money. Um, sort of so, at this point. yeah, that basically they're in financial trouble. They have to move out of their lovely fancy house. They have to sell their fancy car. Mm-hmm. They move into a cheap, shitty apartment. Yeah. Uh, but Chris Walken's still trying to make everything okay. It's, uh, it's his... Um, yeah son's birthday it's his 16th birthday and he gets him a checking book and he's like hey hey sometime you might need this uh you know and the, the, the his yeah. leo is like oh what but i thought we hated the banks and it's like yeah but you might need to borrow money from them uh one day so he gets him a checkbook obviously that becomes very important later as uh checking fraud is the big big part of uh frank jr's um plan um, yeah. He's sent to a cheap, shitty new. <laughs> that was so... that. Wow! wow. Holy wow. shit! Jamie, oh my gosh. Jamie, let's 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 just have you be quiet for a second. He goes to a state yeah. school. Wow, Jamie. 
Jesus, oh God, man. But he's going in his private school clothes. Jesus. Look, look, so, so at the, this point, I would like to say the reason I said that is because that that is the idea of what Leo's character is thinking. That's what the film wants you to think is that he's sure. being sent to a, a yeah. school that is worse and of a lower Beneath status him, yeah. than he the, the school he was at. Oh, but yeah, no, that didn't come out very well. Um, so he goes to a he goes to uh, a state school, but he still wants to wear his uh, school uniform that he had before. His mum is like, "Oh no, you don't, you don't have to." He's like, "Oh, it makes me feel happy." Um, he's in the hallways. Yeah. He's uh, trying to find his way, and a, a bully, bully hits into him. You know, a jock in his in his Letterman jacket. Hey. Uh, he comes in and he. My nose. <laughs> My name is Lenny. <laughs> and he pushes uh, him oh, into a locker. Oh, point Dexter. Um, he walks into his first. Uh, uh, lesson mm-hmm. and here we get Frank Abagnale Jr.'s first ever scam. Uh, he walks in. He discovers that a substitute teacher is uh, supposed to be mm-hmm. uh, coming in. He also spots that his uh, yeah. would-be bully uh, is also in that class. Uh, so mm-hmm. he just immediately grabs a chalk and goes, "Everybody, sit down. My name is Mr. Abagnale, not Abagnale, up, not Abagnale, Abagnale. Now, could everybody tell me what chapter we were on?" Uh, we get a shot of the the bully going. Oh shit! Jesus Christ! Um, now, I I know that a lot of this film is based off the fact that um, Leonardo DiCaprio is a is a very charming and and attractive uh, young man, mm-hmm. and I will come back to that um, uh, in a second. But surely these kids would recognise that this guy does not look like the age of a teacher. He looks so young. I. Here's the thing. At very least, later in the film, there is a section where Tom Hanks reads out a description of his character and says 26 and 27, and that's meant to be at most a year later, realistically, in the same year. So I feel like it's within the universe meant to be possible. And I guess to some extent, look, at a 16-year-old, you know, he's wearing a suit. I think it's sort of that thing about the film where, like, we as the audience know this is ridiculous, and yet... It is about how people carry themselves. They, uh, why do the Yankees win? It's because of the pinstripes. Yes. People watch yes. the pinstripes. That oh, kind yes. of thing. Oh right? uh, yes, that that was uh, a thing that. Sorry, I think I think has already happened at this point in the film when uh, when he's yeah. wearing the suit uh, and when he says uh, when he's going to meet the bank manager, Christopher Walken says that to him. Says, "Why did the Yankees win?" And mm-hmm. uh, Leo says, "Oh well, that's because they have uh, Martin Melly or whatever his name is." And the guy goes, "No, it's because yeah. they're all Babe Ruth. Uh, they're all distracted by." the pinstripes and that comes back mm. a couple of times uh, and that's important to set up um yeah. but uh, the the other thing i wanted to say i will pause from discussing this film um i was very uh distracted uh watching a young leo as i often am um uh because mm. as as you know uh alexander uh your yeah. younger brother um has quite a strong resemblance of a young leonardo dicaprio um, and so, I mean, this is the first time anyone's told me this for sure. Uh, okay, well, uh, he he does. Uh, yeah, sure, <laughs> they, sure. They they, okay. they have similar. Hair, I can see it. Similar, I can see similar, it. Yeah. You, uh, sure. So, um, what I, I wanted I, I to say uh, is, given given that fact, and uh, given your experience uh, watching this film, mm. what happened to you? Wow! Oh, that, cruel, cruel, oh. cruel. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I look like my father. He gets compared to looking a bit like uh, George Clooney. My dad, my dad, you know, again, um, I, I'm not sure if I told this in the podcast. Uh, one of my weirdest memories uh, at school was my dad coming to pick me up, and uh, uh, the the girls just goes, "Sure thing, is that your dad?" And I was like, "Yeah." And they're like, "Your dad's fit." And I'm like, "This is really awkward, and I dislike it." Um, similarly, when my brother first came to the uh, school, uh, a lot of the girls were like, 
oh, your brother's really fit. And I'm like, he's like 13 and we're 16. This is weird. Why are you talking to me about this? Please shut up. <laughs> uh, so I don't have any issues with me talking about. I have no insecurities about my attractiveness. Huh? Al, I'm sure that one day when you pick up your um, lovely daughter or son from school, yeah, yeah, all of their could... little friends will be looking and going, your dad <laughs> looks like Tom Hanks and cast away. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, sadly, probably um, not on truth. So uh, just um, just to show you the machinations of my mind, uh, you might wonder why I spent so long going through that setup, and it's because I fully did not have yeah. a punchline yet. I was just really working through it slowly, like, oh, God, what's the punchline going to be? I know I'm coming up to where the punchline needs to be. Better have something. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, so let's get back to this film. Uh, enough about the uh, yeah. relative so, attractiveness so, so of the Gillespie he's family. at school... It- as it turns out, he's in the headmaster's office. It turns out he's been pretending to be a substitute teacher for two yes. weeks now. His dad is... Oh, wait, wait, wait. So, oh. That's fine. Is this still recording? It's still recording. Sorry, no, oh. that's fine. Um, his dad is impressed by that. Uh, his mum is less impressed by it. But, you know, I, I think it's fair enough to be impressed by that. I think it's uh, it's an impressive thing. Um, they go home. He and his dad have his laugh. There's a little scene where he's outside the, the principal's office, and a girl is giving a sick note to um, you know one of the uh, secretaries there, and she says, you know, oh my mum gave me this note. I'm meant to miss fifth and sixth period, and he's like, you should fold it over, and she's like, why? And he goes, well, because when you get a note from home, you always what's the first thing you do? You put it in your pocket and you fold it over. They'll know that's a fake. There's no crease. And she's like, it's not a fake. And he's like, well, where's the crease? So she folds it over. And we're, again, we're setting up that he sort of intuitively knows this kind of stuff about frauding, about faking, about pretending. They go out, that's fine. Um, he kind of goes home. He sort of, I think, you know, it's implied over the next couple of scenes that he maybe goes on a couple of dates with this girl. That's not really anything to do with the plot. He uh, goes home and finds his mum a couple of weeks later uh, alone with uh, one of his dad's old friends. Yep. Yeah, that's right. The guy who gave him the award at the beginning of the film is now uh, sleeping with his mum. He recognises very early on that his mum's having his yep. fair. His mum's like, oh no, he's giving us legal advice. What are you talking about? He's like, right. His mum's like, take all this money. The money's going to solve the problem. Take this money. Come on. Take it. Take it, Frank. Take it, Frank <laughs> Jr. And he's like, I hate you, mum. And slams the door yep. shut. Um, uh, guess what, guys? Say... So- they're, yes, getting, a they're getting a divorce. Uh, we then get a horrible, horrible scene uh, with a lawyer who's cut, brought oh, in. Man. The divorce lawyer is just there and he just basically goes, right, uh, so uh, pick between your mom and your dad. Don't worry, it's not important. Just write down here, either mother or father, that's who you're going to go live with. Uh, they're getting a divorce. It's all going to be fine. Don't worry, just the rest pick of your life. mother or father. Write it down. Let's get going. Um, and uh, understandable. Yeah. Uh, Leo does great here. Like, just, it's, I mean, I'll yeah. generally There's also like talk about, yeah. Yeah, I think there's a really great piece of editing here which i love which is where like they're saying it and then they interspeeds this scene with a scene further in the future of him running away from the house but they kind of overlap and it's, it's the, the sound constantly of um him being told just pick your mother or your father pick your mother or your father which is a cruel thing to do to yeah. a child like parents for the most part don't do that just decide between yourselves where the child's going to be that'd be a much easier for the kid um yeah he runs off he goes uh he 
it gets found a couple of days later. We're found him a, a couple of weeks later, actually, in New York at a hotel. He's getting, not a hotel, like a motel type thing, a kind of, uh, you know, in Big, where uh, he goes to that kind of creepy place for a couple of nights. He goes to that creepy place he stays um, before he gets to the nice apartment in Big. Uh, they then, he then kind of decides that what he needs to do is, Oh god, what is he doing? He gets, he gets caught because his checks are bouncing. He has no money in his account. The guy's like, three of your checks are bouncing. He needs to get rid of you. Um, he's kicked out onto the street. I think at this point he sees a uh, Pan Am yes, airline pilot. Yeah, we see, we see a little montage of how he's basically been um, uh, try, try, oh, trying yeah, to, to fake to... Uh, checks. He's been going into banks and trying to mm. fake checks, uh, and it's not been working um, uh, because... I've because he's not good enough at it yet. He's trying to he's trying to smooth talk yeah. people, but um, they're just like, no, we can't accept mm-hmm. checks from other banks. Um, so at that point, yeah, he sees yeah. Uh, a Pan Am pilot walk past, um, as you say, and he's like, cool, guess I'm just going to do that. Um, and it's sort of the beginning yeah. of the theme of, um, <clears throat> it's not that this guy is some criminal mastermind who plans out everything uh and and is able to just meticulously plan absolutely everything uh it's more that he sees opportunity and takes it and is wily and smart enough to do so um and so he uh organizes uh pretends to be a student journalist uh and goes uh Mm -hmm. to interview like the head of pan am or something ask him a bunch of questions and his uh, like all of his questions are just like so uh how much does a pilot get paid uh and what does a pilot need to get on a plane and when a pilot says oh what equipment are you on Uh, what does that mean um uh and he gets an old um pilot's id an expired pilot's id off this guy uh apparently to be a pilot you need two things one's a pilot's id and one's like a pan am staff id or something like that he gets the part uh the guy's expired uh pilot's license uh uh, and says oh yeah do you have a, a spare of those uh ids i could also get and he's like nope sorry these are these are special um but he then starts to put into plan his plans to become a pilot he calls up uh mm. and says hey i lost lost my oh, i put put my pilot's uniform in the in the wrong bag oh silly me uh and just get someone to straight up make him a new pilot's uniform um yeah uh, at this point he then tries to uh cash a check uh at the hotel uh and the hotel is like yeah no no we can do that uh we do it up to a hundred dollars for cashier's checks or three hundred dollars for payroll checks and he goes did you say uh, $300 for payroll checks? Um, and he's doing this all in his pilot's uniform. I don't think at this point his plan yeah. is ever to actually uh, fly a plane. He's just like, people will trust no. me more if I'm in a pilot's uniform. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think at this point he also uh, is writing letters to his father yes. saying, you know, I've become, I've entered their pilot program. And again, this is a kid who was 16. Yeah. So I'm not sure why he thinks that his dad will believe that Pan Am accepted him onto the pilot program at 16, yeah. but sure, um, why not? And also a key he's part a is kid. anytime he uh, like, writes letters to his um, dad, he's just being like, hey, I'm going to get our money back. And then, hey, how's Ma? You and Ma, you're going to be fine. Like, you're going to, it's all going to be great. He's clearly not like yeah. accepting the divorce. Um, no. But yeah, so he finds out about the um, payroll checks. And at this point we see his more complicated way of making checks. He takes like model airplanes of Pan Am airplanes Mm-hmm. Like soaks them in the bath, takes the sticker off the back and puts them on the check um, uh, and makes the checks. Uh, I think it's at this point that he uh, 
No, it's probably later. But yeah, so he starts uh, cashing those checks uh, and like yeah. gets loads of them. And so he's starting to get uh, even more money at this point. Uh, and so he takes it further and tries to get on a plane. He goes to um, like check in and someone's like, oh, hey, are you my headlong or whatever the terminology is? Uh, and he's like, uh, deadhead. deadhead. Yeah, you my deadhead. deadhead. Uh, I think at this point he wasn't, he was planning on just cashing a check and he just goes, yes, yes, I am. Um, uh, and she's like, great, uh, go and sit in the, the jump seat. Uh, and he just goes, yeah. <laughs> yep. Can I... At this point, does he? Do he, I, I'm so confused. You know, at the beginning, it's like you need two things: you need this Pan Am security badge, and you need this license. He has the license, and assume he forges yeah. one. Does he ever get the Pan Am security ID? Like, I, I can't remember there being a bit where he they bring that up yeah. specifically, and then I can't remember. Him no, ever I don't think that is ever discussed. I mean, one. I'm looking at, uh, I'm scrolling through it on um, Amazon Prime, so I can see the the screenshots, and also to help me look at the. Uh, to keep the yeah. chronology of the prop. And he does appear to have an ID badge, but I don't think it's ever discussed how he actually okay. gets one. Um, I guess... Just sure. just trust sure. that he does. Uh, um, so, yeah. Um, and, yeah and, so he, and he... Yeah, they're the like, um, uh, well, go sit in the jump seat. And he's just like, <laughs> it's been a while since I've uh, done this. Which one's the jump seat? Uh, and then they just both laugh. Yeah. And he's like, okay, cool. Um, and it turns out the jump seat is the one that's behind the pilots. They, it's not actually doing any yeah. uh, flying. Apparently, it's uh, a thing that pilots, like... They're allowed to sit up the front if they just need to get to another city. It's basically a way of getting a free flight for a yeah. pilot. Well, I, I think basically what it is is that, like, let's say you're flying, you might fly for, your your route maybe to go from uh, Miami to Florida, let's say, and you get to Florida, um, but then your next route might actually be, uh, you know, New York to LA. Yeah. So, although you are not flying that route, so you need to get to the next place. So you can then fly yeah. your next um, And as soon as he gets room. in the cockpit, uh, we are seeing that he is a lot better at his um, uh, his scams now because the guy up front's like, oh, hey, uh, what, what equipment are you on? And he's just like, oh, I'm on a 7, 747. And, uh, you know, I'm just hopping around dingle bags going from uh, west of coast, you know, going up, down, left, right, uh, just trying to get my uh, my two yeah. cents in, if you know what I mean. And then the pilot just goes back. Wow, Jamie, I... I didn't know you trained to be a pilot. Yeah, wow, you know, uh, just in preparation for this, uh, I went and did two weeks of flight school. Um, uh, but yes, yeah, so, and the, the pilot just in response to that is like, yeah, we've all done that. Um, so he's learned the jargon. and he's knows what he's doing. Um, yeah. And then uh, he goes and fucks an air hostess. Uh, <laughs> that's what he does next because he's a 16 year old boy. Yeah, he has sex for the yep. first time. Uh, you know, he's gone from an innocent youth to a man. Um at this point he's kind of doing a lot of these scams he at some point meets his dad uh, uh, i think i think just before he meets his dad he meets elizabeth banks first elizabeth banks, uh, who is yeah. a bank teller we see him walking on the <laughs> elizabeth banks <laughs> um we see him walking along like looking up all the bank tellers trying to figure out which one he spots uh, elizabeth banks being a young woman and being like cool i can sweet talk her um and he sweet talks mm. her to figure out like how checks work um and yeah. it is at this point that we actually first meet uh tom hanks not in a flashback um because he's managed mm -hmm. to go to an he's figured out how checks work and managed to go to an auction and buy a checking like an old uh check creating check machine, machine yeah. um so he can essentially start making real checks that aren't real um and it's at this point that we get tom hanks set is clearly on his tail they're saying there's this guy going around the country and he's doing this checking scam uh, and we get one of my favorite lazy screenwriting uh things which is Man explains something. Then someone else goes, 
hey, I don't understand. Uh, and then main character gets to explain it in more simple terms for, yeah. for the audience. Uh, and basically he's changing the routing numbers on the checks so that uh, instead of mm-hmm. being, he's checking them in New York, but instead of, he's changed the routing number. So it's going to go all the way over to San Francisco before it comes all the way back to New York. And that means it's going to be two weeks yeah. before anyone realizes it's bounced. Uh, that's the scam. Genius. It, yeah, that's the scam. He just he just buys himself time and then he goes to a different place because he's a pilot. Um, yeah. And it's now that he yeah he meets his dad at a restaurant um, to be like, hey, I'm a pilot now. Look, I'm I'm real big and I, I've bought mm. you a car and then and then you can you can yeah, yeah I bought you a Camaro and then you can go back and and Mark uh-huh. and see you in the Camaro and and then then it'll all be fine. And then the guy's like, I yeah. no, like I can't. Yeah. Like, I can't, I'm, well, I'm being investigated like, yeah. for fraud. I'm being checked by the IRS, so I can't say this. I can't just drive around. And then he's like, uh, you, you know, I'm, I'm, what mouse am I? What, what mouse am I? He's like, you're the second mouse, Dan. He's like, I'm the second yeah. mouse. And it's, it's at this point, and, you know, the, the, uh, just a little fun fact about the um, making of the film. Um, uh, he gives a little bit, another speech about how he met his uh, wife, um, uh, going about how like, oh, there were, 200 men all looking at her in this dance hall um in because he met her in france during wartime um and he starts to break down crying saying like i was the one that took her home uh and that's all improvised by christopher walken um yeah and actually as the film goes on we kind of the lie he's like we kind of find him telling a lie here right like he starts off and he's like, there were 200 men in the hall. And by the end, it's like, there were six yeah. men in the hall. Um, as the we cut back on. to meeting uh, Tom Hanks is driving off. He's on the tail of, um, uh, of Leo. Mm-hmm. And we get a little bit of an insight into his character uh, that he's, he's very straight laced. He's in the car with two other police officers and, and they're like, Hey, how come you never have fun? Oh, come on. We're just trying to have fun here. Uh, and they <laughs> tell That's us a joke. joke. And then we get, Oh, uh, warning. Here comes terrible Boston accent. He goes, knock, knock. <laughs> Uh, who's the? I don't. Have you ever heard anyone do a Boston accent? No, but what? Well, no, I've heard Tom Hanks okay. do a Boston accent, and I'm doing a pretty okay, damn okay. good so impression. Okay, you're doing a bad impression to bad. Yes, um, uh, I'm doing a bad right, impression right. of someone who's doing there? a bad. Sorry, uh, sorry, Tom, sorry. Uh, Boston accent. Okay, do a bad impression. Um, but yeah, he goes knock knock. So, so, so you say so. Do it okay. again once more. Who's there? Go fuck yourself. And that's the joke. Um, uh, I, 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 I genuinely hilarious, quite hilarious. fun. Great time. Um, uh, so yeah, uh, yeah, they're on the tail of him. Uh, he's still finding out more about um, how to be a pilot um, and, mm-hmm. and continuing his life as a pilot. Uh, where are they off to when they are? Oh, this is when uh, this is when Tom Hanks first meets um, Leo. Uh, so he is at uh, some resort in Miami, um, and they're at the front desk. Oh, they've, they've yeah, rooted, yeah, 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 they've rooted one of the the checks, no, and they not, said, uh, uh, "Hey." Uh, at the front desk being like uh hey so we just wanted to check this guy out like do you know anything about him like yeah no cool cool um and the guy behind the desk goes well i wouldn't want any of my customers being harassed and then tom hanks like wait so he's still here i was like yeah room 239 um tom hanks goes into the room we see a little bit of leo he walks past um one of the other guests Mm. who's uh who's a blind man who's being led by one of the staff members he clearly knows them he's been here for a little while um, so he says hi to them. Tom yeah. Hanks busts in with a gun. Uh, he finds all of the the like checking to all the checks, fake checks, check it, the checking machine uh, in the room, uh, strewn over the place. And he hears someone in the bathroom. So he pulls out his gun and says, "Come out." 
Yeah. Leo strides out being like, I know it's crazy, right? Uh, yeah, this guy's he's got he's got checks all over the country. And he's uh, he's got fake He's got all these papers. Yeah. Um, <coughs> and he's like, "Hey, can you put your gun down?" Yeah, Tom Hanks has the gun. He's pointing the gun at me. He's like, "Put your gun down." And basically he just pretends to be a secret service. Yeah, man. and, and uh, uh, Yep. Yeah, uh, he brings to be a secret service man. He, Tom Hanks says, like, "Give me your ID." He throws him his wallet. Tom Hanks doesn't look into it. Uh, he says, "Look, look, you know, before whatever, like, let me come and look at this." And he kind of goes outside the, he points outside the window where he shows the blind man from earlier and the guy helping him leads him into the car. And he's like, uh, "Yo, make sure the LAPD, because I think they're in Hollywood." He's like, oh, yeah, "Make sure the maybe. LAPD um, don't let anyone into my crime scene. I don't want it contaminated." Tom Hanks is like, oh, "I'm really sorry. You know, I, I, I didn't understand that you guys were from the Secret Service." And he's like, "Ah, you know, no hard feelings about it." You know, it, obviously multiple people on this guy. Anyway, I'm just going to take this uh, giant checking machine for evidence. Uh, you just wait here. And he's like, sure. And uh, he flees. He escapes. Yeah. Uh, Tom uh, Hanks and- realizes that he's been played uh, because he has assumed that I, the guy must be an older guy. Um, and he now knows that uh, what he believes is that Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, as Frank, uh, is a 27-year-old uh, criminal. Yeah, uh, and Barry so Allen, because he was checking all his checks have been under the name Barry Allen, I believe, and he was checking to the hotel as Barry Allen. Yes, uh, so the way the it's sort of a, a nice little subtle thing where um, he that wallet he throws him is one of those wallets that has like a little button on it uh, that makes it a little bit more fiddly to open. So while Tom Hanks is trying to uh, get it open to check the the wallet that he throws him, uh, he distracts him. He's like, "Hey, yeah, come check the window, whatever." Uh, and so he forgets about it. And then when he checks it, he opens it. There's just a bunch of like fake. There's nothing in there. Basically, it's just like a bunch of like um, hotel cards and whatever. Uh, yeah. And so Leo both knows that having a slightly more difficult wallet to open and being able to distract Tom Hanks means he's probably not going to go yeah. to the effort uh, of uh, properly checking it. Uh, he even like flips it round and asks, like he asks for Tom Hanks's credentials. And it's that idea yeah. of like, act like you belong. And again, the idea that he's not really thought this out, but he's very quick, he's very intelligent and he can think on his feet. Uh and yeah, so that means uh, that he he gets away. He sees him running away. Yeah, definitely. Um, and Tom Hanks goes back to his um, mm-hmm. his superiors and is just like, yeah, no, he, he got away. But like, I know who he is. I know his, his face. Like you've been humiliated. Yeah. Ah, we we got him. We'll be fine. Like it, this is the worst thing a forger could do. They could the worst thing they could do would be to show their face. Uh, you know, we know he's got ballet Allen at this point. Um. He is at a diner, and at the diner, he's kind of looking over the names, and the guy serving him is like, oh, are you a comic book collector, sir? And he's like, no. And he's like, oh, Captain Universe, Mr. Freeze, The Flash. And he's like, what, The Flash? Comic books? And he's like, yeah, Barry Allen, Barry Allen's The Flash. At this point, he then realizes that, uh, Tom Hanks then realizes that uh, Frank Abagnale Jr. Um, must be uh, playing... Pretending to be older, right? Yeah. That part of his con is that he is older as well. Yeah. Um, um, in the meantime, so he starts looking for. Uh, in the meantime, uh, he starts looking for. Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, in the meantime, um, Leo uh, shags Jennifer Garner. Um, that that happens. She, oh, yeah. She's. Uh, oh, who's a? I believe a prostitute. Yes. Um, uh, and yeah, she was a former model who's also a prostitute. He also starts dressing as James Bond. He kind of goes back to the. 
uh, head of uh, Pan Am, who's like, oh, there's this guy, they're calling him, you know, the, the Sky Bandit or something. He's like James Bond. He's like, James Bond, eh? We have a quick clip of um, a Bond film. He starts dressing up as Sean Connery from yeah. Goldfinger. Um, he gets the DB5. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so basically, I mean, this film is essentially just uh, a bunch of women uh, across America being tripped into sleeping with a minor which is which is great and also very oh, yeah. unrealistic because as we know uh, Leonardo DiCaprio has never been interested in a woman older than him in his life anyway uh, <laughs> we also get um, a phone call uh, uh, the first of I think two or three phone calls between uh, Leo and Tom Hanks uh, on Christmas yeah. Eve um, he gives him a call mm-hmm. um, and is like um, hey what are you doing on Christmas Eve and it's like well no you know I don't have a family so um I was just uh, letting uh, letting other people go home so that uh, they can be with their families because I don't have one. Uh, at this point, we also get um, the second use of that Yankees line. Uh, Leo says to him, like, hey, uh, you know, why why did the Yankees always win? And Tom Hanks says the exact same thing that um, Leo said earlier, which is because they have Mal- Margot Martindale or whatever. Um, and yeah, Ruth yeah. <laughs> and, and Leo says, no, it's because people are always distracted by the stripes. Um, the end yeah. of that conversation is uh, just him, go- Tom Hanks laughing at him and going, hey, you didn't just call uh, to, to like laugh at me. You called because you have no one else to talk to. Uh, and so we get that first mm-hmm. like tinge. This whole film is like really fun and energetic, but like that first tinge of, oh no, this guy is just, Tennis. It's just, yeah. it's he's just sad. Like he's he's coming from a broken he's a home. Kid. He's a kid. Yeah, he's... Um, uh, mm-hmm. and I'll sort of come back to that uh, when I talk about the film uh, as a whole. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So at this point, he's found out uh, that uh, he's probably a younger kid because of the comic book thing, and mm. also he reckons he's probably originally from yeah. New York because of the Yankees. York because yeah. of the Yankees. So we he yeah. looks for so... missing kids, uh, kids who have run away. Uh, uh, who have been associated with bank fraud, I think, as well. So I think it's that they know for a certain that some called Frank Abagnale was um, got caught, you know, writing checks with nothing in there. So I think he knows that there's some connection in terms of like checking fraud. Um, he goes to Frank's mother's house. Uh, it turns out she's remarried. She's remarried that boss that she was cheating with, who gave the award at the beginning. She's like, oh look, I'm, it's fine. You know, he was running away. He needs to sleep somewhere. Can you really blame him for that? Um, they're like, well, you know, look, it's it's a federal crime no matter what. We can't just ignore it. And she's like, ah, well, you know. Um, and he goes, well, look, do, do you have a photo of him? Can we see a photo? She brings out his old yearbook. He sees, yep, yeah, that's the guy. That's the guy. They head out the door. We know who he is now. We're going to find him. Let's get this yeah. everywhere. Um, we're going to win. And, and, and at this Goes point, the mum's very like, much well, states like uh, the guy we're looking for is 17. And I think this very much changes yeah. for Tom Hanks's character. Like, no, I, it's quite literally still a kid. Like I, he 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 yeah, maybe yeah, thought yeah. that this kid might have run away, you know, a few years ago, and but like this guy's mm. still a kid, and I think that very much changes his motivation, which yeah. is interesting. No, I, I I do, and he's going out the door. His mum's like, look, I'll just I'll write I'll write a check, okay? We're rich now, we're rich again. I'll write a check. How much is it? How much is he steal? And Tom Hanks is like one point four million dollars, yes. um, and she's like, cool. crap. And so that's the end of that um, scene. Right. So um, we have been going way long, and I think point, we are only halfway through this film. So let's uh, try and rush through. This is yeah, when he so let's, stops let's, being let's a pilot. At this becomes a doctor yeah yeah so he has a house in um la he's become a bit of a dick uh he's like hey guys don't speak he has a big party in la all that kind of stuff he realizes he's not ready for it he goes to a hospital i think one of his guests gets sick at the hospital he meets amy adams 
who's kind of young and has braces, he's like, oh, you know, I'm sure you're really smart. I'm sure you know everything, blah, blah, blah. He realizes that doctors are respected and he's looking to settle yeah. down. That's the kind of thing. He's been on the run for too long. He wants to stay in one place for longer. He thinks it'd be a good time. And he likes Amy Adams. I think he genuinely likes yeah. her. So he stops. He forges a Harvard's... Uh, degree a harvard medical degree he um gets a job at the hospital as kind of the resident night manager effectively looking after it at the night time he wouldn't have to do very much just l- make sure everyone else is running fine um he shags amy adams this is all going uh, she well gets, she gets her braces off and then they shag amy adams um and then yeah there's a nice there's then there's a scene which is where which, which she talks about he's like uh, they're, they're in bed together he says well look I'm, i don't care that you're a virgin and she says oh i'm not a virgin i had an abortion my parents kicked me out they said they would never want to speak to me again that i wasn't their daughter anymore it's very sad he's like well what if i marry you what if what if we're married together <clears throat> were they like that and she's like of course they would yes yeah, so they go to new orleans at this point tom hanks is caught up with uh that's caught up with abigail but in the wrong place, he goes, he finds the Harvard Medical Degree. He sees that it says he changed his name on it to John Connors. That's yeah. a Spider-Man um, reference. Hasn't he also met with <coughs> um, Christopher Walken at this point? So he's he's tracked down the father. Yes, the um, first time he's met Christopher yeah. Walken has refused to turn him in. He's just been like, "You, hey, you must Another not rat. have a kid. And he's like, no, I don't. And he's like, well, then that's why you don't know that I would never fucking turn my kid in. Um, basically admitting that his kid's yeah. uh, a dickhead. Um, and yet, so he goes to yeah, meet yeah. Amy Adams' uh, father uh, and yeah. is basically, uh, this is quite a fun scene, at dinner with them. Who is Martin yes, Sheen. Martin Sheen. Um, this is quite a fun scene where he's basically like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking maybe to, to switch professions because he finds out that um, uh, the father is a barrister or a lawyer, a lawyer. of some sort. Yeah. Um, sorry, barrister, I think is a UK term. He's, like the, he's, he's the prosecutor, yeah. right? I think he's the um, attorney. I, I think he might be the, not the attorney general, but like the district attorney of the region. He's yeah. For a, a, um, so basically, yeah, he's, he's been um, like, he, and he sort of get, this is again, an idea of him being quite quick. He goes, oh yeah, no, I'm thinking of maybe uh, changing because I used to train as a, um, as a lawyer, uh, I trained as a lawyer before I became a doctor, yeah. and they were like, "Oh, where?" And he goes, "Berkeley." And then they go, "Oh, wow, that's where you went." And then he's like, "Oh, great. Uh, well, do you rem- do you remember oh, that professor?" Yeah. And he's like, "Oh, yeah, that crotchety old bastard." Uh, and then clearly Martin Sheen is trying to test him, and he just goes, "Yeah, what about what about his dog? About the- do you remember his name?" Uh, and obviously, being quick, like he notices that this guy's way older, and he just goes, "Yeah, unfortunately, the dog died." And then obviously they buy it because that yeah. makes sense. Uh, and so they agree yeah, to, to help um, him basically become a lawyer. To help him and also to, to let their daughter marry yeah. him um, alongside that. He gives his hand in marriage. Martin Sheen is sort of won over. He and There was a kind of point of emotional, I know we're going quicker, but there's a point of you know emotional uh, intimacy where he says, you know, what, uh, tell me who you really are. And he's like, look, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a pilot. I'm not a lawyer. I'm just a kid who loves your daughter. And he's like, no, you're not. You're a romantic, aren't you? And he's like, yeah, I'm a romantic. Yeah, you bought it. Um, oh, thank yeah. God this didn't uh, So we get a so flash forward then... again at this point to Tom Hanks yeah. uh, flying back with Leo on the plane. Um, and he just yeah. says to him, this is just a little aside that comes back later of like, how did you how did you cheat? Like who, how did you cheat on the fucking bar? How, you, I, 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 how, how could you cheat the bar? Like, yeah, yeah, no yeah. one how can cheat on the bar. Everything. Um, and then he, he says, yeah. well, you'll never find out. And we cut back and he's become. Yeah. Well, give me your Claire. No, no, sorry. He says, give me your Claire and I'll have your Claire and I'll tell you. And Tom Hanks is like, oh, they cut back to the past. Uh, they're having this big party. Uh, Tom Hanks is in the past saying, look, we know how to find him now. He can't 
what he can't do is change his name anymore because he's with this yeah. girl so he can't fake it again so start looking for engagement uh, because he gets called again on his uh christmas yeah, he calls, yeah. and at christmas he's like can we just stop it and uh, leonardo dicaprio wants to settle down right he wants to stop it. he's like can you just stop following me i won't do it anymore i'll just keep doing this and he's like and to which tom hank says well i'm never gonna stop looking for you i'm i'm gonna find you you have to know that, that how this is is going to end is you in jail and there's nothing going to stop it he's like just stop it just stop it <laughs> Torrance is like no we're going to find become, you he's yeah. like I'm engaged do is an engagement present yeah, for me and, he's like no and fuck off yeah it's a cool. reminder that he's a kid um, and so yeah as you say he tracks him to yeah. his engagement party um, and he suddenly panics. Yeah. He go, takes Amy Adams away and like brings out all this cast. And it's like, yeah. look, uh, you know, a name's just a name. Uh, like it's fine. Uh, like say if I wasn't Frank Connors, or sometimes I was yeah. Frank Connors, and uh, other times I was Frank uh, Davies. It'd be fine. And look, we've got all this money. Uh, okay, yeah. uh, I'm leaving. I'm gonna jump the fuck out that window. Uh, you meet me at the airport in two days. Uh, and she agrees to do that in Miami. In Miami. Yeah, go from Louisiana to Miami. Uh, um so anyway he gets to miami he's waiting out there he sees amy adams but he also sees that uh, amy adams is surrounded by like is being tailed by the police he knows that she's giving yeah. him in uh, he then goes to universities yes, we get here's a plan uh, he's got we an evil basically plan get the culmination of his uh, all of his schemes and all of his skills um and so he's gone to universities you say he's recruit and he says he's recruiting for pan am air hostesses uh and we get a lot fun little montage yeah. of all these girls getting really excited because it's i can't tell whether they're excited to be air hostesses or excited to fuck leonardo dicaprio but uh either or um he picks his uh, six of them and he gets them in um uh, we also see that um tom hanks has basically said no we're staying at this airport we know he's gonna leave from here like this is his mo i know he he likes the chase yeah. he likes the chase so he's gonna come through here i know it and they're not really that conspicuous. They're literally walking in teams and teams of men. But whatever. Yes. Um, but, but, the idea is yeah, he wants well, to pass because through the police in and... plain sight. Yeah. So he does so by getting all the girls in the, uh, the air serious uh, outfits. Uh, you know, he recruits all these women. And, you know, the the police officers, the FBI agents, being FBI agents, they're like, oh, boy, yeah. oh, oh, um, yeah, and yeah, making Conan movies. I really um, like this scene. Much. This is probably my favourite scene. That, um, yes, obviously, Come come Fly With Me is playing, classic tune, yeah. uh, that very much suits uh, both the message and, and, and um, the theme. Uh, also, Tom Hanks is, uh, like, taken away because he there's a report of a man dressed like a pilot sat in a car he goes and the guy just says yeah. a guy just paid me two hundred dollars to pick someone up from here dressed as a pilot who do they say to pick up and he holds yeah. up a sign saying hand ready um but what i really like about this scene and i may come back to this uh, in the analysis is uh well i i say obviously maybe it's not obvious but the the clear idea here is this is the culmination of why do the Yankees always win? Yeah. Because uh, people are always distracted by the, the pinstripes. It's the culmination of that, but it doesn't shove that in your face. A lesser movie would no, have that. Yeah, would have, would have said, said it out loud. out loud again. Someone would have repeated exactly. that. Yeah, someone would have repeated that but piece of dialogue. It doesn't. And, and it, but it's obvious enough that most audience members would get it. But it's subtle enough that any audience member that does get it would feel intelligent that they feel like, like a con man, like a figuring out the mystery, like they feel like they figured something out, as I did when I figured it out. I was like, oh yeah, it's like the Yankees thing. And that, it makes the, yeah. it makes it more rewarding for the audience member than just 
just redoing it and saying, huh, it's like the Yankees. So I, I really, really like this scene. But this is also the culmination of basically the end of the fun part of the movie. Um, so we can sort of... Yeah. Ha- the rest of what happens kind of happens in all one sequence he's yeah so pretty much he starts hopping from uh country we don't see this but we we learn through tom hanks and the checks that he's hopping around uh, all over europe um you know catching these checks doing it really fast kind of he asks his boss look we need to go find him to which his boss says look if you can't find him here why would i let why the hell would i let you go to um find him there uh he's like oh, okay fair enough um they go to uh instead i think they kind of f- find that like his checks are getting better and better um it's be- you know he's effectively printing the yeah. real stuff there is no there is no way to tell it the only thing that the guys who create the actual checks can tell is that look the ink's slightly heavier which suggests that he's probably in europe um they only do this in like germany france uh england yeah. and then he goes wait france remembering that his um mother was in a kind of grew up in a french village uh, he says what was the name of that town um his kind of uh, the guy's been working with him this entire time is like uh oh it's um Montmartre or something like that uh, you know Montmartre yeah Chateau de Pap <laughs> um they go to he's like ah cool we hit to Christmas Tom Hanks is in France it, there's a choir singing there's a church there's a big building he goes inside and what is it but a giant like money check printing setup yeah factory. literally checks flying uh, through the air um and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we see a. This is the the, the now the downfall of Frank Agnew. Now he's we see a much sweatier, crazed uh, Leo, and he's just going, "Hey, what's going on? How are you doing? Look at all these checks. I'm amazing." Uh, and Tom Hanks is really calm, and he's at this point again. He remembers that the 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 the, the chase yeah. here has changed, and Tom Hanks is not trying uh-huh. to bring this guy in because he's the biggest criminal mastermind in the world that's a threat to society. He's trying to no. bring him in because he's a kid who's in over his head. Um, yeah, and, yeah. and he's like, look, you can't go outside. Look, uh, The police are out there. They're waiting for you. I need to get these cuffs on you so that they don't shoot you. Look, don't. And the, and the guy's like, hey, have you got a gun? Have you got a gun? No, you're lying to me. And he goes to go out the door. And Tom Hanks goes yeah. like, no, wait. And gets him to agree. They put a... You need to put on... Yeah, no, no. And very specifically, he's like, you need to put these handcuffs yeah. on yourself. Like, put these on yourself. It's fine. I've got a whole team outside. I've got a whole team outside. They're going to get you. Put the handcuffs on yourself. And he's like, okay. I, I think he also says, look, if you go in, I'll let you speak yeah. to your dad. We'll make um, sure you speak and to he goes out like, and there's a, a lovely... Puts the hang- he puts yeah. handcuffs on himself. Uh, there's a lovely himself. French choir No one's outside. Um, and he turns yeah. to Tom Hanks and says, oh, you wily devil or something like that. Or that was good. Yeah, you can't. You yeah. conned me. Um, well played. But then suddenly, all the French police turned up. So at this point, was it clear to yeah. you? Was he like? Was Tom Hanks lying? I I couldn't quite tell. I think it's. I think it was that they were both working for a separate. I think they were. I think they were looking for separate things. I think the French police were looking for him separately. Yeah. I think Tom Hanks may have even just come by yeah. himself. Um, like not come as a yeah, not come officially. I, that, the FBI. that was sort of the impression um, I got. But at this point, Keely Carl is like saying to the French police, "I want it clear that like he turned himself in. He he did not resist arrest. Self he turned in. himself in because he's again wanting to protect him. He doesn't want him to get um, the worst sentence yeah, he could." Yeah. We then cut to them flying on the plane again. Um, uh, there's one thing I want to say before we get to the like me- at, at this point um, there's as they're flying into LaGuardia um, 
Leonardo DiCaprio's character says like, oh, there's runway 40, there's runway 44 at LaGuardia. And on the, uh, I assume you watched this on Amazon Prime like I did, they have like a little x-ray trivia sure. thing. And they had like, oh, big yeah. gaff uh, that said, there isn't a runway 44 at LaGuardia. They only go up to Ooh. 36. And I'm just like, I think that's the point that he never actually yeah. learned anything about being a pilot. He never actually learned to fly a plane. I think, I tell, if I'm very, I found it very I, interesting yeah, they were I, like, Haha, we've me. caught you out on this inconsistency when I think that's actually the point. Yeah. Um, but it's at this point that he goes, or, um, yeah, your dad's dead. Uh, he, he passed away. Uh, I didn't want to tell you until you were closer, uh, because, but you keep on bringing up that you want to talk to your dad. Uh, and at this point, Leo freaks yeah, out, so like completely freaks out. You lied to me, you lied to me, you lied uh, to he me. He goes, goes to the bathroom because yeah. he's feeling sick. Uh, and then just as they're landing, uh, Tom Hanks is still trying to get in. He breaks in uh, and, and fucking Leo has crawled through the toilet uh, to escape the plane. Um, uh, and like escapes out the wheel uh, as it lands um, yeah. and runs away. Uh, and then we get a very quick cut. Um Ellen, mm. Ellen made the point that this was probably written pre nine eleven, uh, and that there that there may well have been either. Yeah, I mean, eight, the film was been in the theaters, but uh, yeah. So, but like that, the idea of him uh, just escaping an airport, um, just rat, like just escape, like very unrealistic in a post nine eleven um, film. Well, yes, but at the same time, you've got to remember... So I always thought this, right? Like, as a... Not a kid, but as, like, a 15, 16-year-old, watching, um, uh, like, Love Actually or something is, you know, is, is going through this kind of stuff. And I, I assume that all these films where people were doing stuff illegally in airports were made before 9-11 or written before 9-11. I think often it's just the case that, like, people are really weird at their airplane security. And I think maybe the some of the fear that came into films happened later, happened more like 2008-10. Yeah. Um, but yeah, basically he, basically he escapes, uh, and goes to his mum's house, uh, and he there sees a little girl sitting in the, uh, the like window, uh, and he sees that his mum is still with, um, uh, is still with the man that she, um, uh, left her, uh, his father for, uh, and they've got this, they've got that life that he's been craving back. He's the, all through the movie. He's been like telling his dad, like, look, we, we, it's all going to be OK. Like, we're, we're all going to get back together. And I think actually at some point relatively near when when he starts to break down, he has a meeting with his dad and his dad is just like, look, no, we're divorced. She won't see me anymore. She's married. She's moved on. Um, and and that idea of that life coming back sort of crumbles for him. Uh, and then him seeing that his mum actually has that and has had another child and is giving that life to someone else. Uh, it's extremely painful for him. Um, the police turn up because Tom Hanks knows him well and knows this is probably where he's going to go. Um, and they arrest him again. Um, and so he is uh, sent to jail. Uh, we mm -hmm. uh, get then cut to him meeting Tom Hanks in jail. Uh, and Tom Hanks like shows him a, a, a check. And he's just like, oh, yeah, no, I, I can tell you exactly what's been yeah. done here. Like he's fixed this and he's, he's done this and he's done that. Um, we then cut to mm. Tom Hanks meeting with yeah. Leo and another member of like higher up in, in the, uh, the FBI, uh, like trying to show off his skills. Yeah. Um, and the higher member up mm -hmm. in the FBI just goes, Hey, do you want, do you want to come and work for us? Like get, get your sentence cut short and you will come and work for the FBI in our fraud division. 
Yeah. Yeah. You'll be in our custody. And he's like, who's custody? And he's like, Tom Hanks is custody. And he's like, well, I do love a good Tom Hanks. So he goes into the office and it's the first day. Um, he's a bit nervous. He's never worked in an office before. I think this is what I find quite interesting. He kind of, um, he's done all these jobs. He's a kid, he's a kid in many ways. I think he must be in his twenties now, but he's never really done an office job. He's never really done the day to day. He gets to the end of the week. He goes into Tom, office, Tom Hanks' office. Tom Hanks is like, ah, look, I gotta go. I gotta go. I'm meant to be going up to Chicago. He's like, okay, well, what am I meant to do? And Tom Hanks is like, I don't know. Figure it out yourself. At this point, he then goes to the airport. Um, he, you know, he kind of flees. He puts on the pilot's uniform, goes to the airport, and Tom Hanks yeah, catches uh, him at the airport. Um, Tom Hanks is like, look, what yeah, are you we doing? We get a here? really nice sort of one long take of them walking and, down um, uh, a hallway, uh, just being like, hey, what? Where where are you going? And and Leo is like, well, you said you were, yeah. you said you were, like you lied to me, like you said you were off in Chicago to see your daughter. Uh, and he's like, well, actually, you know, it, it didn't work out. She's so got to go skiing. Uh, and then Leo's like, well, your thought daughter was four. You can't. Yeah. Like, you said your daughter was four. Uh, and then Tom Hanks like, yeah, she was four when I left. She's fifteen now. Like I'm I'm not lying to you. Like this is just how it is. And uh, there's a line in there of like Leo. Yeah, it's about the lies we tell ourselves to make it more easy to live or something. I'm sure yeah. you can understand that. Um, and yeah, and Leo at, at one point does just go, yeah, well, I'm not your kid. Um, and they get mm-hmm. into this and and Leo and Tom Hanks just goes, you know, I understand. Like, it's easier yeah. to live the lie. He's, yeah, um, to which he says, yeah. And at that point, Leo's like, um, he's like, look, you know, I, I I put a lot on the line to make sure you can be brought in. You know, I did this for you, I did this for you. He's like, whatever. To which he's like, to which he goes, you know what? I'm not even going to try and stop you because I know you're going to be back in on the office on Monday. And he's like, why? And he's like, well, because there's no one chasing after you. And he leaves. And that's the end of the scene. Yeah. Um, we yeah. come back and to the it, office yeah, on Monday. He walks Monday. back down the hallway. Yeah. We go back to the office on Monday. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's not there. Tom Hanks is kind of checking. He's not making any kind of moves about it just yet. There, he goes to a presentation. We see someone walking in. We think, oh, is that Leonardo DiCaprio? It's not. It's someone else. He's like, oh, crap. They're looking at a um, bank check. He realizes that, oh, wait a second. This this is something new. We haven't seen this before. Leonardo DiCaprio comes in. He's like, hey, can I take a look at that? Looks at it and goes, this guy's a bank teller. And together they kind of sit there and they're working it out and they're kind of figuring that out. And the, the other credits basically comes to say, um, you know, over the next 40 or whatever years, Frank Cabernet Jr. worked at the, with the FBI, catching you know uh, a great, a huge number of the world's uh, biggest um, fraudsters. Uh, he also then went on to design a lot of the security checks uh, that banks and Fortune 500 companies uh, use to this day, and that uh, he was paid millions of dollars for that. And that's sort of the end, right? Yep. Uh, we also get the resolution of the lawyer bit uh, where he just goes. Come on, how yes. how do you do it? How how do you pass the bar? Uh, and uh, Leo just uh, how how did you cheat on the bar? Sorry, uh, and Leo just goes, I just studied, I just worked real hard for two weeks, yeah. and then I passed the bar. Um, and then that's that's sort of the the final bit, mm-hmm. um, which is a nice uh, little resolution. Um, so let's talk about this film. Um, yeah. I actually. I watched this film twice. Mm. Oh, wow. uh, I watched it two days ago and then I watched it this morning again, uh, both because I really liked it yeah. and because uh, I just wanted to, to have a little refresher on it. But I really, really like this film and I, I have a lot to say about it, despite the fact um, I think I do have to leave to pick up my girlfriend from work in around about 15 minutes. That's fine. We can finish uh, so let's get through this. Um, but yeah, I I really, really love this film. And I think what I there's uh, a lot of things I love about it. Uh, we probably won't touch on it 
a lot because it's difficult to talk about, but the score is amazing. Uh, really good score. Yeah. The, the music is so, so good. And what I really like about it, and this sort of touches on um, what I like about the film in general, is that the first two thirds is it's this really fun, high jinky um, sort of score that's really upbeat and going along with that idea of Frank's uh, journey and like what we like about a con man film of like them getting away with it and the elaborateness of a heist. Um, so the score reflects that. And then the last third, basically from when he goes to France, like it catapults off and it becomes a much more somber because it's about his life actually falling apart and how you realize that actually this is all sad. And that's what I really like about this film. We talked before about how I like dark comedies um, or, or comedy dramas or whatever you want to call them. Now, this obviously is way more of a drama than a comedy, but it is a legitimately funny film for the first two thirds. Yeah. And when that more serious topic of this is a kid who has been broken by his parents' divorce and is desperate for that to come back, you sort of notice, like all of that is all the way through, but you don't notice it. Like whenever mm. he's meeting with his dad, whenever he's writing letters to his dad, there's always this tinge of sadness, but you don't really notice it because you're swept up in the, the hijinks. Yeah. So it's a really earned, sad third uh, third act turn. Um, I'll And I'll say, uh, so for anyone who uh, hasn't listened uh, before we rate these films on three different uh, categories, we rate the film out of five, we rate Tom Hanks' performance out of five, and mm. we rate uh, the Tom Hanks dick meter. How much of a dick is Tom Hanks in this film? And then we decide whether it goes in a Hanks bank. Um, so I'll talk a little bit more about uh, sort of Tom Hanks and the theme of like father and sons, which I think is very interesting. Um, and I'll talk about that more in the Tom Hanks performance. Uh, but as a film, this is great. And fucking hell, Leonardo DiCaprio is incredible in yeah. this. Like holy shit! I like. I know he's a good actor, and I've seen him in plenty of great things. Um, and I had actually seen this film before, but I remembered very little of it. And I think this might be up there with one of my favourite Leo performances ever. What do you think? Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think in terms of Leo films, I think this is the my favourite Leonardo DiCaprio film. It's also one of my favourite Spielberg films. Like we haven't really talked about Spielberg as a director, like he's directing this. Um, I, I think it's really fun. It's definitely my top three. I think maybe Raiders just above it. Um, but no, it's it's it's. So I didn't watch this twice. I did watch Ocean's Eleven in between, and actually, I think for me, it, it what it does best is like a heist film works well when there are like a, a couple of factors in play. Like, a it's always great when people aren't necessarily like, especially when it's meant to be a comedy when they're not robbing like normal people, right? Like Ocean's Eleven, yeah. they're robbing this millionaire guy who stole the guy's wife. In this, they're robbing banks. They're not robbing. They're not stealing from you. They're stealing from the bank. It's you know. Then it's never a personal crime he's doing. The most, except when he gets to kind of the more personal parts, the more emotional parts, when it touches on things like um, you know, the, the the him marrying Amy Adams and stuff, and him kind of conning this woman. Uh, those are the kind of the parts where his fraud begins to become personal, and we then that's where we get the drama from. But I think it does it does really well in that part. It's a great you know, it's a great con movie. It's a great. Um, heist movie in many ways. I think Tom Hanks gives a really fun performance. We'll talk about that in a sec. Uh, it gives a really great performance. Um, yeah, to keep it quick, you know, I, I I think it's up there in the top five Tom Hanks films. I, I'd give it five stars. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, this is a, a no doubt five for me. Um, I, I really, really love this film. Um, and I think it's, uh, just to add a little bit more, I think it's a really good film at delivering exactly what you expected mm -hmm. and then delivering more. Yeah. Because I think when you hear about the film and when you know what it is, you expect that first two thirds. 
um and and the really fun hijinks and and the the as as i touched on with that um fly me to the moon bit of like you really like seeing the the mechanics of how the con works and seeing it then paid off and they do that really really well and then they add more to that they add more depth this would have been a perfectly acceptable film and not even acceptable a good film without any of the like dynamic of leo losing uh losing his connection to family and like tom hanks becoming a surrogate father figure um so let's touch on that a little bit um this is a Tom Hanks podcast and something I noted about this film um, and uh, and about his career in general. So I think we touched on potentially, uh, or maybe we didn't. I think he said in an interview before, about two or three years after this, uh, he takes a little bit of a step back from acting uh, and he to spend more time with his family. Um, so I think we'll notice he's released through the 90s. He releases a shitload of films, yeah. early 2000s. He still releases quite a lot of films. And if you notice from around about 2004 onwards, you know, he still appears in things, but he's not cranking out two to three big movies every couple years. He yeah. does. He does a big movie every few years and maybe appears a cameo in a couple other things. So I think it's really, really interesting that Tom Hanks himself, just before taking that break, to uh look at to spend more time with his family is doing a lot of films that explore this dynamic of a father and son uh we looked at Mm. it a little bit with road to perdition uh and with this obviously uh as we've discussed tom hanks Mm. himself uh got went through a divorce has a child that um uh, that is uh or has two children that were uh, children with divorce um, so it's really, really interesting to me that he is exploring these topics just before he... And I think those clearly uh, affect his real life as well, which is interesting. Um, but that obviously also adds a very interesting layer to his performance. Having said that, in this film, much how I feel with Road to Perdition, I feel like he takes a bit of a back seat to the other actors. Leonardo DiCaprio is undoubtedly the star in this. Uh, And so while Tom Hanks is incredible, and I think he's doing a very good job, the job he has to... He's done the big acting in the 90s. He's done the big shouty emotional moments. Uh, And so perhaps I'm being a little bit unfair because it's just a more subtle performance. Um, But I... Because I do really like the performance, but in a film where someone is doing so much uh, what I would define as more acting in Leonardo DiCaprio, he does take a bit of a backseat. Um, and I also have to take 0.5 off for the terrible, terrible accent. <laughs> so I'm going to give him a 4.5. I, uh, you know, as, as historically comes to this section, I, I rudely disagree with you. Um, yeah. Just in that, like, I don't think necessarily... the the mark of and it's one of those things where like it's it's really hard to judge acting because like what is good acting and like what what is a good performance and i i I think i've you know expressed that like i think quieter performances i think less show performances i think not necessarily being the lead actor can still mean you are a really give a really good performance and i do think he gives a really good performance in this I, i i do really like it i even think the crappy accent to some extent adds to the fun of the movie like it's kind of this cartoony world. They keep referencing comic book movies and um, James Bond movies. In many ways, it is a James Bond film. It's it you know it has elements of all those things in it. And I think a part of that is these kind of ridiculous accents. I don't mind the accent too much. Um, no, I think he gives really good performance. I agree with you in terms of. I think this is a really good companion piece with Road to Perdition, which is a much serious and more heavy movie. I think it's better than Road to Perdition, but I think in terms of performances, they're both about 
different types of fathers and one is about a kind of turn of the century father someone who's probably born before or just born at the beginning of um the 20th century and one is about you know a baby boomer to some extent is is about a guy or the greatest generation right someone who is um born probably in the 40s well probably not now in the 60s probably born in the 1920s but is is trying to be a better man is trying to emotionally connect with his surrogate son and i like that i think he gives a really good performance in that sense so i, I would give him a five um yeah i'll be i'll be positive yeah no that's completely fair and and while i jokingly sure. said i took away the 4.5 for the um accent yeah, no, for the because stuff. i, I yeah. like i i firstly i genuinely do believe it's a bad accent and he should do better having no, no, said no, I, that i think that's the fair. bad accent absolutely improved my enjoyment of the film i loved yeah. listening to this terrible accent yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it was hilarious and, okay. and so where is he on the dick what they were going for um yeah yeah um dick meter uh Oh, sorry. One more thing I wanted to say about uh, Tom Hanks' yeah. performance is what I find very interesting uh, about his level of fame uh, where, that he's reached with this. And as we've seen uh, with other things is in the 90s, he's very much the big or like there's basically two different ways you can be a big actor. You can be a big actor and be the guy that carries a film. You are the lead. You are the person where you carry the film and therefore you are incredible. Yeah. And what we see here, and we've seen him do it a couple of times, namely with Philadelphia, but there's a level where you become so big that it is interesting and uh, almost marketable to see you yeah. acting alongside another big actor. Uh, and, it, you know, it, yeah. it's it's obviously crazy to say, but like at this point, Leonardo DiCaprio had already been nominated for, uh, for an Oscar and, and like two Golden Globes. Yeah, so he was a huge, huge actor. Yeah. So like... It's interesting that he Tom Hanks is no longer becoming the big, big star that sells the movie. What sells the movie is seeing Tom Hanks and Leonardo DiCaprio going head to head. Uh, and I think that's an interesting dynamic change for his um, uh, for his career. Um, but yeah, uh, Dick Meter. I mean, he's, he's not a dick. He's he's a he's a great guy. Like he's I I. I would struggle to I mean, I'm sure yeah. you're going to disagree with me, um, but I would struggle to think of anything dickish about this character in this film uh so i'm gonna give him a zero uh, okay so essentially jamie uh look all that all the way you said spoke like a true dick um <laughs> you know look tom hanks doesn't torture people that's fine that's a low bar there are a lot of like small level dickishness okay by the end of the film yeah he gets this guy a job uh at the beginning no one in his office likes him because he doesn't have a sense of humor <laughs> Uh, so you know that's a one for that uh, two he keeps pursuing this kid even after he asked politely not to keep pursuing him <laughs> dick meter point number two and dick meter point number three of course being that he's from Boston so that's overall <laughs> three on the dick meter scale I can't go any higher you're right he did get him a job and okay I guess he was working for the FBI but overall a three on the dick meter scale uh so that is us so we don't have to say what saved humanity this week oh well we haven't actually done that yet jamie does this go in your hanks bank does this save humanity uh yes of course yeah yeah uh, yeah this goes in my yeah. fucking hanks bank of course it fucking does like no yeah no yeah, i fucking so. love this film um yeah i i i i think it might be recency bias uh but uh i think this is probably my favorite film we've watched uh so far yeah no i i, I think it's fair enough i I think for me, it's the funnest. It's weird because I, I remember the first time I watched it, I remember thinking this is too light almost, like it's too frothy. 
because um, it, although it touches on the the darker stuff, I don't. I think it in many ways it it it, it isn't dark in and of itself. And I sort of I think for a long time looked uh, for more adult adult stuff in films for them to be good. But I think that's not necessary. I think that's what the greatness is of a Spielberg movie is that it's about enjoyment while tackling heavier things. So whether it's you know they are spectacles, they are you know cinema as a um, cinema in its purest form not, not a thrill ride but in a uh you know it's a viewing experience on that kind of stuff and it's, it's beautiful it's it's smart it's funny it's got great dialogue great performances yeah definitely definitely goes in the hanks bank so we don't have to say what saved humanity this week because this film does yay uh so of course with that uh you can i don't think i i, I maybe didn't do this a lot this week uh you can follow at uh, us at hanks bank pod you can follow me at jamie p locks and you can follow al at al underscore c's underscore stuff um you can rate or review us on apple podcasts uh you can shout about us to your friends this is of course as i said our uh year anniversary uh which is great fun um which means there are 52 Yay. episodes or maybe 53 i don't know because we released two on the first day whatever um that yeah you can uh as al would always say what what do they have to do you're right Take your friend's phone, download every single episode. That's 52 episodes. I need you to down- delete all their apps, delete all their photos. Yeah, that photo of their baby being born, that photo of their sister's baby being born, delete it. No more memories. There's only Hank's bank. Delete everything. Then you're going to take their phone and you're going to give it to a friend. Then you're going to take that friend's phone. You're going to delete all their apps and then you're going to add all the stuff on there and then you're going to give that back to your sister. And there you go. Problem solved. We just got loads of downloads. <laughs> That's all we care about. This is why we do it, guys. It's not for the fun. It's not so we can stay in touch. It's for those sweet, sweet downloads. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so please do that. Please support us. We've been doing this for a year and, you know, it's going all right. But it'd be great if it was going better. Um, and uh, I think with that, I should probably fucking go because I've got to go pick up my girlfriend from work. Uh, so if yep. she's listening to this uh, in a week's time and I am late, uh, consider this my apology uh, and blame Al. Uh, but for me, Jamie, and my co-host Al, that's one more app in the bank. I was the second mouse. Hank's Bank, 